Six wins on the bounce for the streaking Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio with Taylor Haas and with Dave Molinari. This is your host, Tom Reed. Uh, Penguins and the Bruins will go again tonight at PPG Paints Arena. Uh, last night, a four to one win uh, for the home team which is now 12-2-0 at home. That's the second uh, most points for any team in the league at home behind just the Islanders. Uh, Goals from Sidney Crosby, a goal, two assists from Crosby. Malkin hits his 1,100th point, fifth active player to do that with a goal and an assist. Uh, Jake Gensel with an empty netter. Evan Rodriguez with a goal. And uh, Tristan Jari with... 42 saves. Dave, what is your headline from last night's game? Oh, I think, you know, there, there were a couple of possibilities, but I, I have to go with Tristan Jari's performance. I thought he was uh, the best player on the ice. I thought he was uh, a real difference maker yet again for the Penguins. And it's kind of hard to believe that this is the same guy who, uh, Started out the season looking like he had an allergy to vulcanized rubber. Um, he's uh, stopping everything he sees and, and some things that that he can't. Taylor, I'm gonna I want to uh, before I hear this, I want to set you up because uh, later in our in our show here, you had mentioned the, you know in this division there's a lot of good players, but there's not a lot of great goaltending right now, except for maybe what's coming out of Pittsburgh. What did you see tonight from Jari? Yeah, he just battled all night. I mean, what he faced, uh, it was like 20, 20 shots in the first period alone. Uh, he had like the, you know, those two equipment issues, but the helmet after taking the shot up high and the strap breaking, but like nothing, nothing ever took him out of his game. Um, maybe a little rocky to start with that first goal, but uh, yeah, just the rest of the game, he was solid and that's what they need from him uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, just they're, they're, they're very workmanlike. Uh, you know, the, the Penguins fell behind early. Uh, I'm going to get to this in, in one second. But the, by the end of the period, uh, they have the lead, and they were just, again, faced a lot of shots. You, you knew Boston was going to be a little bit better. They came out with a just an absolute clunker on Saturday afternoon against the Rangers. You thought that they would play better, but it wasn't good enough. And we're going to talk about this in the second segment, about where the Bruins kind of are right now. But, Dave, this is one of those games, and you hear coaches and fans all the time, it's like, just shoot the puck. Just get it on net. You, know, you don't know what's going to happen. Tonight was a really good example of that. Yeah, all, all three, uh, the first three goals of the game uh, all illustrate uh, the the wisdom of that. I mean, on, on the first one, the, the Bruins goal, uh, a harmless-looking uh, wrist shot from the, from the high slot, but uh, there was a good screen. I believe it was uh, Trent Frederick who set it in front of Jari. Uh, that's one of the shots he didn't see. Uh, the puck uh, goes off the left post and, and into the net. Um, before the end of the period, uh, Evan Rodriguez of the Penguins on the outer edge of the left circle throws a truly harmless-looking shot toward the uh, the Boston net that Yaroslav um, uh, Halak managed to somehow misplay. Um <laughs> And it ended up in the net. And then uh, Sidney Crosby, at the at the uh, as the period was kind of winding down, uh, gave the Penguins a lead that they didn't give up. Uh, when he beat Halak with with a shot from below the uh, right circle, uh, it was a terrific shot. But it's really not something that that should make it into the net from from such a harsh angle. But again, you know. Crosby doesn't score there if he doesn't put the puck toward the net. Um, and, you know, Coaches he did. And, uh, and don't, don't take he, Dave. And you can go ahead and finish your thought, Dave. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, that, that goal just underscored the the value of uh, of putting uh, pucks on, on goal, just like the, the two goals that preceded it. Taylor, and to 
to speak to, I mean, just the, the shot disparity in the first, um, I mean, like, you know, they, they were outshot 20 to 10. Um, the quality of shots, though, was not that different. Um, I mean, Sullivan alluded to it in his uh, post game, but I mean, the actual scoring chances, it was only 10 um, 8 in the Bruins' favor. So, like, the actual like quality. So, while the Penguins were um, outshot, they weren't unnecessarily all great shots and they are doing a, a much better job at uh protecting uh defending the scoring areas and that's something I think we've seen from them a lot these past few games where they have what, just a total of six goals against in their last five games that's um that's why they're seeing those results that they are there's coaches that love I mean you obviously you'd love to see the puck go in as, as Crosby's shot did, but there are coaches that love that shot. Not that it's going to go in most of the time, you know, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it's not going to go in, but it can fool a goaltender and it can create chaos in front of the net because you have no idea where that kind of rebound is going to go. Cause the, the goalie's not expecting you to shoot from that angle. And again, I, as bad as the goal was from a Boston standpoint, it's Crosby is just he he is amazing to me sometimes the way he just think his mind works and he's like I'm gonna try this I don't care I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot and sure enough it, it gives them a lead and boy Boston who's been kind of reeling here going from one up early to to, to one down by the end of the period that had to be a deflating feeling for them yeah and especially uh, you mentioned the the 20 shots on goal that they had. Uh, coming into the game, apparently getting pucks on the net at every opportunity was a priority for them. And when you're on pace to get 60 in a game, you know, you're, you're doing a pretty good job of that. But uh, to, to have gotten those 20 in the first 20 minutes and still be down a goal at, at the first intermission did have to be uh, a little bit disheartening for them. Yeah, they are. Uh, they Both they and Philadelphia right now. Do not look good. And that kind of segues into what I, one of the things we want to talk about um, is, you know, we've reached for the Penguins, at least, have reached the halfway mark. They've played 28 games, 18, 9, and 1, good for 37 points. Uh, they are now going into tonight's action, five points clear of Boston, six points clear of Philadelphia. And now Boston and Philadelphia both uh, have played two fewer games but it does go to show you uh, what this stretch has kind of done for the Penguins, not just the six in a row, but what is it now, Taylor, like 10 of 13, something like that they've won? Yeah, I mean, something like that. They're just on a crazy run. Um, and, I mean, we, we talked about it, but a big part of that is just Jari um, really just doing a complete 180 with, with how, how he started the season. I mean, he's been a huge part of this. Um, but I mean, even the the stars stepping up to what Malkin's on an eight game point streak, Crosby's on a seven game point streak. Things are everything just coming together at this point in the season. Uh, one person who, who got a uh, picked up an assist tonight, who continues uh, to fill the score sheet, Kasperi Kapanen, and uh, we have a very special guest for you guys on, in the third segment. Uh, we're going to be joined uh, uh, via phone, obviously, from Finland, uh, Kasperi's dad. Uh, Sammy Kapanen, who was a really, really good player uh, in his own right. Dave and I, I, I don't, Taylor, did you, do you remember Sammy at all? Or um, do you that a little before your time? Uh, no, yeah, it was a little before my time as NHL time. I remember when, when the Penguins first drafted Casperi, kind of following, because he's playing with his dad over there. I remember that, but I don't remember his NHL career. Yeah, so I can't wait uh, for you guys to get a chance to to listen to, to, to uh to Sammy tonight. Uh, and and we, we, we obviously we've talked about milestone moments for Sidney Crosby uh, tonight, 1100 points uh, now for Malkin. Uh, just, just a th- thoughts on, on, on Malkin and boy, it's for weeks. We were just, when, when's he going to get going? When's he going to get going? And boy, he is, uh, he seems to have really got going. Dave, what has anything to your is changed or is this just, a market correction you knew was going to come at, at some point. Well, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I can't say that I was absolutely convinced that this would happen. I mean, uh, Malkin's in his mid-30s. He's got a lot of hard miles on him. Uh, you could make the case that, he, you know, he was simply uh, running out of steam and was uh, at the very tail end of his career. 
Uh, certainly it would have been hard to uh, argue against that for the first month or so of the season, but he has been really, really good the last few weeks. Um, probably as he's playing as, as well as he has at any point in the, in the past few years. Um, very impressive. And uh, <clears throat> you can see uh, the, the confidence in himself that that's you know it he seems to be gaining it by the by the game if not the shift and that just makes him all the more dangerous so kind of like compound interest right. um he uh you know at this point he's uh you know he's he's gotten very good and, and i guess we shouldn't rule out him getting even better taylor i want to ask you this you will hear coaches at times that say, I don't necessarily care if I have an entire line going, but I want I want to have two guys going on each line. And, boy, the Penguins seem to have that certainly through their first three lines, don't they? And in some cases, they've got an entire lines. And Jason Zucker, if he comes back or if he doesn't come back in time for the regular season, they have that through three lines, do they not? Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. Um, and, I mean, even McCann, McCann's coming back soon, so you might see him go back on the on the second line where he was playing before he got hurt. And then, um, I mean, Rodriguez has looked really good, too. If you shift him down to the fourth line, um, you might even get some more scoring out of that line. But, I mean, the fourth the fourth line, I mean, we, we talked about it a couple times now, how really awful they've looked, but they've, they have started to look a lot better. Um, Angelo, uh, probably especially on that line, still not so much Jankowski. But, um, like we said, you know, they have two guys going on each line at least. Um, and that's, uh, that's what they need. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit more as, as, as uh, here, here in the second segment. But, uh, man, just a lot of positive signs uh, for this team heading into the second half of the season. Uh, stick with us. We're just getting started here on the 66 to 87 podcast. We're going to bat around some award type uh, questions, uh, some highlights as far as who's played well, who hasn't played well for the Penguins. And then as we promised, uh, we will have Sammy Kapanen uh, joining us uh, from Finland uh, on the phone. So stick with us here on DK Sports Radio. back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Don't forget coming up in the next segment we'll have an interview with Kasperi Kapanen's father Sammy. Uh, a lot of good stuff to say. Uh, but you know what uh, gang we're at the we are now at exactly the halfway mark. So let's kind of take a look at both uh, the Penguins as a team and the division they're playing in the East. Uh, I don't want to get into the whole league-wide thing because, quite frankly, I don't know how you – you guys are probably both members of the NHLPA uh, Writers Association. I don't know how you're going to pick, you know, all-stars and since these guys are never playing against each other. But let's let's start with the Penguins. Um, Taylor, halfway mark of the season, who's your team MVP? Uh, I mean, it would probably be, you know, the second half of this first half of the season. But I think Tristan Jari – um, cause I mean, he did have a pretty rough start to the season, but his last, uh, you know, 10 or so starts, um, he would, he would be my MVP just because, um, looking at kind of how he played, you know, that, that, that first part of the season, I think a lot of people were like, okay, this is not a playoff team, but, um, when he, you know, turned things around and, you know, now he's on his game, um, I think in the last 10, he's eight and two, um, uh, like over nine, 900 save percentage, uh, he's, now I think people are thinking like, okay, this is a team that could make a run in the playoffs. Um, and it's because of Jari, a lot hinges on him. So he would be my MVP because of just how much hinges on him. Dave, coming to you next. One of the things I think is interesting, which what Taylor just mentioned, had we done this segment about two and a half weeks ago or three weeks ago, I think that with things could have changed in, in a lot of the things we're about to, we're about to discuss, but go ahead. Your, your team MVP. Well, if, if it's, for the uh, performance from from game one through through game twenty eight, I would be inclined to go with Sidney Crosby. Um, he has not played the best hockey of his career, 
but there were so many guys who got off to bad starts um, on this team, you know, that if you're going to uh, give equal weight to each game that's been played so far, I'd probably be, you know, inclined to go go with him. Just, you know, he's, uh, you know, been uh, been a pretty good player both ends of the ice, um, and hasn't had uh, many stretches where, uh, you know, he's uh, been invisible or visible in a bad way, uh, which is not the case with a lot of his high-profile teammates. Yeah, I I, um, I think those are both excellent choices. Uh, uh, that you could, I will I will go I will go with Dave on this one. Just I think Crosby's had a very steady season. Uh, you know, I think if we'd have had this had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, Brian Rust could have been in the conversation uh, as well as he's played uh, kind of kind of both ways. Uh, I think he's been very good, as you said. Tristan Jari is probably one of the biggest reasons they've gotten back into it. But I just Sid is is and a couple of weeks ago I think I said you know it's, he's under a point a game Dave and you said he'll get there he'll get there and he's he's already there still weird to see him not in the top twenty in scoring uh, but just such a consistent player uh, solid in everything he does and boy the the, the team is is really starting to roll and that they, they, they always kind of seem to get in line behind their captain so I think both of those choices are good. All right, let's go with, uh, you know, for you, who has been the, the the best defenseman on this team, Taylor? Honestly, that's tough because it seems like most of them have been out for for some amount of time. Um, as of lately, uh, Chris Letang, I mean, he he's another guy who maybe wasn't, uh, you know, on his game to start this season. But, uh, I mean, just the last um, – I don't know, like 10, 10, 15, 10, 15 games or so, I, I'd i have to say Latang for sure. Um, especially, you know, like I said, with, with, you know, his partner being out for so long. Um, and then, you know, once Dumoulin's come back, just that top pairings looked a whole lot better. So uh, I'd, I'd probably have to say Latang. Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I would go with uh, Latang as well. Um He's one of those high-profile guys I mentioned who went through some very difficult times. I mean, it, he uh, he played some ugly hockey earlier in the season, but lately has, you know, elevated his game to a point where if he played that way for 82 or this year 56 games, he'd be right in the thick of the Norris Trophy conversation. Um so certainly his high points uh, have been higher than than anybody else on, on the defense, uh, but you know they've they've gotten at various times uh, some pretty good work out of uh, people that they didn't necessarily expect it from, like P.O. Joseph, for example, when their top three left-handed defensemen were all hurt, and you know I think they have to be very happy with uh, Cody Cece, who yeah. was uh, a question mark coming in and has. Uh, been a pretty uh good contributor at, at both ends so you know there's uh there's not a norris uh candidate uh, on the roster right now but uh you know a number of defensemen have, have had their moments uh through the first half of the season i think that's a great way of putting it i and i think the guy you know again he, Latang's he's been he's been the guy that's been there for most of it but you know, to me, the way Brian Dumoulin, this kind of really, the team's kind of taken off here in the last couple of weeks, and it's come uh, with Brian Dumoulin uh, coming back in the lineup. I, again, I wouldn't put him ahead of Latang, but he's really kind of just solidified that that group of four or five, however you want guys that you're really consistently good with. And I, and I agree with you, Dave. Cody Cece has been. I think Cody Cece has been steady. Uh, we, we, you, we, he may get some votes for our kind of our, our next, our next thing that we're going to bring up, which is uh, who's been the most pleasant surprise for this team since the, since training camp started uh, to, to where we are today, halfway through the season. Uh, Taylor. Yeah. I mean, Cody CC would have been my pick uh, just because coming in, I mean, he, he had, he had a rough, rough time in Toronto. Um, I think it's expectations were very low for him, but he hasn't just been, you know, like acceptable. He's been good. Um, uh, he maybe a, a bit of a rough, uh, start early on, but I mean, he's been good 
for the last you know chunk of this uh this season so yeah he's definitely uh yeah my my pick dave um yeah i mean cc would probably be my choice but i think you could make an argument for mike matheson just because he was such a question mark you know he he had such a tough uh couple, last couple of seasons in florida and uh you know, it really wasn't clear whether the Penguins were getting the good Mike Matheson or the bad Mike Matheson. And I think uh, to this point, uh, you know, they've certainly got more of the good Mike Matheson. He, you know, he, he can be an adventure in his own end at times, but uh, he adds a nice dimension to the offense. And uh, I think he's uh, proving to be a pretty good acquisition. Right. I will go with, uh, I'll, I'll go off the board here. Both of those are uh, a, a good picks. I'll, I would, if I wanted to be real cheeky here, I would say the entire third line, uh, because I, I think they have last year, they were the fourth line and they, this year they would move up to, to me, the third line. And I sitting here at mid season, I would have a hard time saying you should go out and get somebody to add to this third line. Cause I don't want this group broken up, but if I had to break it down to one player who Again, it's hard to say he's a surprise because he's been here last year. I think Teddy Bluger has just really kind of taken off and become a just a, a really strong uh, player, just a, a, a guy that can chip in offensively. He's got four goals, 11 assists, uh, a couple of shorthanded goals. I, I think his development to me has really caught my eye this season. Again, I knew he was a part of a decent fourth-line group, but I just think that he's he's kind of really elevated his game a little bit this year. So. Um, I don't know where you guys stand on those guys, but uh, let's go to the other category. The last category here is uh, just guys that have been a little bit of disappointment. And maybe this is one of those ones we could have almost broken up into four segments here as the the season has rolled along because we've had some guys that have have not played very well and then have really picked it up as of late. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. Who's who's the guy for you that's still uh, from game – uh, one through uh, to where we are now it still needs. Uh, couldn't we just do the list of guys who haven't been a disappointment <laughs> at some point? That'd be a lot shorter. Well, uh, well that'd be a long, you know, we, yeah, we might... that, would, that would be the third line. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> probably about it. Um, but no, I mean, uh, one guy, and he, he's certainly not a, uh, a key or core member of this team, but a guy who I really thought they would get a little more out of was Mark Jankowski. Yeah. Um, perhaps he uh, set the bar artificially high with his play and his offensive output uh, in the first two games of the season in, uh, in Philadelphia, but he then vanished from the score sheet um, until his teammates gave him an empty net goal in Buffalo on Saturday night. Um, he hasn't been very good on face-offs. He's been a pretty pedestrian penalty killer. Um, I didn't expect him to be a difference maker for this team, but I thought he would be able to contribute a little more than he has to this point. Taylor, jump in there. Yeah, Dave stole my answer. I think it's pretty clear, Mark Jankowski. Um, I mean, he, again, he's someone expect. It's not like expectations were high for him coming in. Um, not in a big role or anything either. But I, I don't know. I, I wrote something before the season, kind of you know, looking at because he he was pretty bad last season for Calgary. Um, but the year before that, he he really wasn't. Uh, he had he had a lot more like offensive success. And if you you know, I lo- I looked into like the you know, underlying numbers like deployment statistics and saw that, you know, in Calgary last year, he was deployed in, you know, a much more defensive role and um, really wasn't starting a whole lot of uh, his shifts in the offensive zone. So it was like, okay, well, maybe that's why his offense kind of dropped off. But then see, so like, I was like, okay, so, you know, he maybe he still has that in them and in him and uh, and, and if he was deployed in a different way, we'd, we'd see more out of him, but, uh, we haven't seen that uh, since he's been here, uh, really hasn't been especially strong in anything, uh, offense, defense, or, um, face-offs really not that great at face-offs. So, uh, yeah, he would be my, uh, disappointment. All right. Let me throw this out to both of you guys. Uh, this player has been hurt has only played, uh, it will be 19 games tonight or last night, uh, Marcus Pedersen, where, where, 
where do you see his game right now? I'll throw that to both of you guys. Taylor? Um, I mean, he's someone that's maybe dropped off a little bit too, Marino too. But, uh, I mean, Pedersen, they, he's been uh, playing as a third-pairing defenseman these past couple of games. So, uh, I, I think in that way, he's definitely an upgrade of what they had uh, as far as a third-pairing defenseman last season. So, um, I don't think he's been awful. I, he, he, had, he had a rough game. What was that a couple games ago? I think he had three minor penalties in the same game. That was when uh, he really stood out the most. But I mean, that was kind of an exception. But um, defensively, he hasn't been as great as he was last season. But uh, again, if you're playing with third pairing minutes, uh, still an improvement over last year. Yeah, Dave? I certainly expected more from him than uh, they got in the first half of this season. Um, I, and I certainly think he's capable of playing better. And for that matter, you know, so is his partner, John Marino. Yeah. Um, you know, whether there is a, uh, a synergy that made them both better or a negative synergy that, uh, you know, has hurt both of them. I, you know, I can't really say, but, you know, I think both, uh, are capable of contributing more than they did to this point in the season. Okay. All right, we're going to switch over, and normally at this time of year, you might, you know, everyone does their league-wide MVPs, best this, best that. Uh, I just don't think it's fair this year. I mean, they're not even playing the same sport, I think, in in, in the North Division with the Canadian teams. Uh, I think it's just so unfair to try to gauge what Connor McDavid is doing against some of the other – he's got 52 points. Uh, but, but, you know, all those guys up North are playing, it just seemed like a different game. So I want to keep it right in the East division and, um, Taylor, if you, you know, halfway through the season, if you had to pick an MVP in the East, who would it be? I mean, after watching these games in Buffalo, just any goaltender they play because <laughs> I, I mean, but they started your hands in the first game, hot in the second game. You kind of feel bad for them after um, maybe just them just for going through what they have to go through. But um, seriously, uh, I mean, Brad Marchand leads the division in scoring. I don't know if he would have been anyone's pick to lead the division in scoring, um, like in points at this point in the season. Um so, I mean, I, I think you have to be my pick just for that. Just look, looking at, you know, some of the other offensive threats around the uh, division and just for him to be, um, and really the Bruins' whole top line to be producing the way they are. Uh, Marshan's really uh, stood out. All right, Dave? Uh, Marshan would probably be my pick too, although I guess it would def- depend on exactly how you define the most valuable player. Um could be a, it could be anything. Don't don't. Yeah, don't, I mean, if if you just want the guy who has played the best to this point in the season, I would probably go with Marshawn. Um, if only because you know, as you know, we discussed Crosby. He certainly had a good season, but he's he's had better ones in the past. And guys like Sean Couturier and uh, Patrice Bergeron you know, have missed some games, uh, yeah. you know, they, they could have been in contention for that, but a, a guy who might be the most valuable. You better not is, steal my name. You better not steal my name. Go ahead. Well, I, I wasn't going to say Tom Reed. So you're no. safe. <laughs> um, although it's, it's not all that far from it. Uh, phonetically, I'm thinking Anders Lee of the New York Islanders. Ooh. Oh. Uh, that team has, uh, I think it's uh, safe to say has exceeded expectations and uh, he's the captain. He's the one who kind of sets the tone for that team. So as I say, depending on exactly how you define most valuable player, I think he at least uh, merits a spot in the conversation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fine answer. Uh, I, again, Marshawn, you can't go wrong. My guy, I'll, I'll also go with the Islanders. I'm going to say it's Matthew Barzell for me. And part of my thinking on this is they're just a not, he doesn't get a lot of help. There's not, we had Andrew Gross on uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they need to get, uh, you know, one of the things that that team is still lacking is some playmakers on it. And, and Lee is certainly my goodness, the way he works in front of the net, he's, he's terrific uh, captain. Like you said, I love Barzell. I love watching him play. He's such a fun player to watch. Uh, and you know, that team obviously right now is as hot as any in the national hockey league. Um, all right, let's, let's step back since all of our answers were forwards. I've let's go with, uh, the best defenseman, uh, so far you guys have seen in the East and certainly you guys have 
both covered all the teams to this point. So you should have a decent idea. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Taylor. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen McAvoy in person yet, but I think he would be my pick just for uh, – he's really been carrying the Bruins' defense. Uh, after the losses they've had in, in free agency and then just injuries throughout, um, just the way he's stepped up and, and uh, you know, how good he's been for them, I think he would be my pick, Charlie McAvoy. Dave? I would be inclined to go with him as well, although, I mean, if, uh, you know, Chris Letang had played the entire season the way he has for the last couple of weeks, I think it would be him. And let me throw another name into the mix that might not get uh, the, as much consideration as some others, and, and maybe I'm overestimating him based on on the games I saw in person. But I've really been impressed with Adam Fox of the New yeah. York Rangers. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, he, he's good and, and getting better. You know, he started out uh, at a pretty high point, and the trajectory of his career has just gone up. So uh, I will not be surprised if there's a Norris Trophy in his future, not necessarily his immediate future, yeah. but not too terribly far down the road. Yeah, he's a really good player on a team that that has had a lot of disappointing young players, and you can I'm probably already hedging where I'm going with my disappointment. Uh, but yeah, he's been real good, and I, I like I, I really like your guys' pick because the obvious pick here, probably if people look at it, would be John Carlson, and John Carlson's always going to be up there, at least in Norris consideration. I think McElvoy's been terrific, and he is kind of that old school. He's not a big player. Not a big player, but he there's some feistiness to his game. Uh, as Taylor mentioned, they, 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 uh, you know, obviously Chara, uh, and he has kind of held them together uh, as, as best as he can with some other guys out being out injured. So, yeah, I think that's a good pick, and I do think that uh, certainly uh, if Fox is good. If, if I could have a combo – pick it would be the guys that are like Pelich and Polsk from the Islanders or those guys are really good but they just don't put up the numbers all right let's go with uh biggest surprise in the in in the division uh it can be a team it can be a player uh who who has been a pleasant surprise in this division to you guys this Dave start with you I would probably go with the Islanders I figured they were uh going to be one of the teams you know, fighting for that uh, third or fourth playoff spot. And, uh, you know, as of uh, this moment, they, they've won nine in a row. Um, I'm still not sure that I would uh, mistake them for a Stanley Cup contender, but that's part of the reason that I think they qualify as a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz is has gotten an awful lot out of that team as, as he is wont to do wherever he is uh, working. Yeah. Taylor. Yeah. That's, I have the Islanders in my notes. I would have said them as a whole too. And then I also, uh, cause I mean, like, like Dave said, I don't think anyone uh, expected them to be first in the vision at this point. I thought they would have been one of the uh, kind of the border teams uh, for a playoff spot. And I, I, I would have had, you know, Varlamov for my uh, best goalie too, just because of what he's done to get them, Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that in a second. My yeah. fault, but, but but good pickup on you. Yeah, we'll come back to the goalies in one second. But yeah. that's a good good point. Um, yeah, but I mean, he would have been, just because of what he's done for them. I mean, that just a surprise to to get them where they are. That he would yeah. be my pick. Yeah. You know what my pick is? The Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. I uh, thought that they would be solidly in that four or five. I don't think down to six, but I, I feel very good about where they are right now. I, I don't know how about you guys. I feel very strongly about, uh, again, I'm not projecting what they would do in the playoffs, assuming they get there, but I think that their first three lines that make sense, they flow together, uh, you know, with all the injuries on defense that they've had and the, 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 the kind of the start that they had in goal where you weren't quite sure what you were getting from Jari. I think they've really they're they're obviously playing very well right now and and to me there's not a night now where I look at that team and say you know they can't they can't win they they they're not good enough to beat a Boston they're not no I, I think every night now the way they're playing and I wasn't sure I was not sure if they were going to be 
uh, a team that would be to me in the top two or three or a team that can threaten at least to be, you know, a, a home ice advantage. We talked about this the last show. So I'll go with the Penguins. So let's go back. Taylor, we'll come right back to you because you had mentioned uh, the goalies. We, 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 we forgot the goalies. Uh, again, your, your, your pick would be. Yeah. Varlamov, just because of what, you know, he's done for the Islanders. Um, I mean, three shutouts at his save percentage. It's somewhere around like 930. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been great for them. And, and, and he would also be my pick just because, I mean, looking around the division, a lot of um, the other options have kind of struggled early on. Jari struggled early on, um, hasn't been this good throughout the entire first half of the season. Um, Carter Hart, maybe not what he was last year. Uh, Sam Sanov was out for a while. Uh, I don't even know who's playing goalie for the Sabres at this point. Like, um, I mean, uh, like looking around the division, there aren't um, a whole lot of strong options. I mean, I think Varlamov's a clear answer here. Okay, Dave. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Uh, there's nobody playing better than Jari at the moment, but there probably wasn't anybody playing worse than Jari in the early weeks of the season. So again, if you're looking at the the first half on the whole. I think it, it's pretty hard to uh, go against Varlamov. I agree. I will give I will give the kid from uh, Washington a, a nod for just keeping them in there. Vanacek, right? Is that what we're pronouncing it, Vanacek? Yeah, Vitek Vanacek. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. After watching the uh, they had the internet they had the international feed game on uh, on the NHL Network the other day, and Mika Zavanajad is no longer Mika Zavanajad. The J is not pronounced, and it's the weirdest name I've ever heard. Hmm. So. Uh, I think I'll give I'll just give Vanacek a thumbs up because he he's kept him in there uh, to this point where nobody expected him was even going to be playing that much early in the season and with all the the uh, problems that Washington had at goal and of course Lundqvist having his uh, uh, health issues uh, but there's it's hard to argue uh, with Varlamov and I'll tell you what that Mitch the, the Islanders or, or wherever Barry Trotz goes. He always has goaltenders. He can do it with almost anybody. Every year, it seems like he finds goaltending, uh, whether it's there, you want to call them a system goalies or what, but, uh, you know, Varlamov's having a terrific year. All right, uh, last, last thing in our, in our segment here. Biggest disappointment in the, in the East, and there's, prob- there's probably a line waiting behind the Buffalo Sabres, but Taylor, <laughs> where, where are you going? I mean, the the Sabres, they're not going to be my – I don't want to keep – I can't keep bragging on the Sabres. I, but, I mean, everyone expected them to be bad, but I don't think quite this bad. And Taylor Hall's just been, like, non-existent. Um, but, I mean, a, a, a better answer, I think, would be the Rangers, just because I think, you know, going into the season, they were uh, one of my maybe, like, borderline teams, one of those teams that would be fighting for the fourth um, playoff spot. And, I mean, when we're, when we're recording this, they're, I think, seven points out of it with um, – an extra game played and just with with some of the the offensive weapons they have just it I I don't they aren't scoring as much as I think we people thought they should be um I don't know if Lafreniere has been uh uh showing up as much as people thought he might be coming into his rookie season so um I, I think the Rangers would be my real uh biggest disappointment Dave well, I certainly agree with the uh, the individuals and and the team uh, that Taylor mentioned. But let me also uh, throw out there Carter Hart yeah. from from the Flyers, who I think uh, great things were expected from him in goal this year. You know, a lot of us uh, saw him as the Flyers uh, finally getting a solution to their their goaltending issues that they've had for decades and that he was going to be the guy who you know made them a championship contender and perhaps he still will he's still very early in his career but he certainly has taken a step or two or three back so far this season and as far as teams I uh think we should uh, keep Boston in the conversation as well. I think they were a pretty popular choice uh, to be the top team in the East Division. But uh, the three of us could provide as much uh, goal (laughs) scoring for them as they've gotten from their second line this year. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they, uh, 
I don't know that they're in danger of of not getting into the playoffs, but I don't I don't think they should be uh, printing tickets for them just yet either. Yeah, the, everything, all good stuff there. I mean, if if I had to pick one indiv- if it was an individual, I mean, Mika Zibanejad had forty one goals last year. He has three, including one of them is an empty netter, and he's played in every I think every one of their games. It's shocking, and, and it's it's what what it's done for the Rangers with some of those young kids. He's he's their first line center, so guys like Lafreniere, who was the very first pick this year, he has four goals. Capo uh, Caco, the number two pick last year, I think has two goals. Yeah, he has two goals. I mean, this is this was supposed to be their rebuild, but the one thing they thought they had, they were hoping they had, was a first line center. They don't, and the other issue they've had is in goal goaltending where Shiskirkin hasn't been able to stay healthy. And uh, boy, Georgiev is, is not been good, but for the team, it has to I'll go back with Taylor. It yeah. has to be Buffalo. My goodness. It's not like they haven't put invested. It, Mike Harrington was great on our show. Was it last week? I mean, he, he, he just laid it out. I mean, this is not a team that is in the process of when they're not spending any money. My goodness, they've they've they're spending money, and for this team to be that bad is amazing. I mean, I, I again, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but I thought they would be better. I do think that Dave's onto something with Boston. I, it'll be interesting to see where that ends up because I'm with Dave in the sense that I thought Boston was number one. That was if I had to say for sure one team is Boston, maybe Washington next, and then the other three, two or three teams in the mix. But boy, they they have they have really struggled to find secondary scoring. They've been had some injuries, and whew, if that team misses the playoffs, wow, that would be that would be something. All right, we've talked enough about awards and, and disappointments and 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 all kind of other stuff. We're gonna have some real happy talk coming up with uh, with Sammy Kapanen after the break. Stay with us on the sixty six to eighty seven podcast. to 87 podcasts on DK Sports Radio, and we are delighted right now to be joined by Sammy Kapanen, played 13 NHL seasons, and for you younger fans, he is also the father of red-hot Kasperi Kapanen for the Penguins. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, Sammy. How are you? Good, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, Sammy, we got to start with this. Uh, you, uh, there aren't many more unique tales in the fact that you, both you and your son, have uh, a lot of tie-ins with Jim Rutherford. Uh, explain it to explain it to our audience. Oh, uh, Jimmy Rutherford. He was a GM of the Hartford Whalers uh, when I uh, was drafted in '95, and uh, he was also GM uh, 2003 in uh, Carolina when I was traded. And uh, pretty much the same thing uh, with Caspery. Uh, Jimmy was uh, the GM as uh, they drafted him, and uh, also Jimmy uh, traded him away before uh, bringing him back uh, to Pittsburgh uh, this summer. And you're obviously very familiar with the Penguins organizations. I would think you have you would have played against both Mario and uh, Sidney Crosby, the two kind of uh, foundational players in this organization over the last. 25 years. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's always been a tough games, uh, games that I love play, especially uh, the years I uh, when I played in uh, Philly. Uh, there was a lot of uh, emotions in those games and uh, facing uh, some of uh, the best players in the world at the times, uh, Mario, Crosby, Malkin. Uh, so uh, a lot of good memories and uh, I also had a lot of information from the Pittsburgh as an organization and the city from Ron Francis that uh, I played with in the same line now over the years in the Carolina. Wow. Um, you know, one of the, the one of the special things I think a lot of athletes hope to, to, to have a long career like you have a long career. And if they're blessed to have a son that's good at the sport, maybe, just maybe, 
that can play on the same team. Hockey fans, the older hockey fans will remember uh, Gordy, the great Gordy Howe getting a chance to play with Mark and Marty Howe. Uh, you had that opportunity with Kasperi in Finland. What was it like? It was awesome, and uh, it was something that I, uh, 2010, I, uh, I had figured out that I'm done playing, that my body is not holding up anymore. And uh, within a half year, uh, as I uh, was serving as a GM for uh, the local club, I, I started to feel like uh, I still want to push a little more and uh, get back on playing. And uh, I, I started to see that Casper gets to a point that then maybe in a few years, He's capable of playing in a professional level in Finland. So, uh, to uh, 2011, I, uh, I signed for a couple more years, and uh, finally, I think it's January 2013, Gaspri uh, made his uh, debut in Kalpa uh, uniform, playing in the SM League as a professional. So, uh, we got to uh, be a teammates uh, a little over a year, year and a half. Sammy, when, when did you realize that Kasperi had the potential to be not only a pro player in Finland, but, but one who could play well in the NHL? Well, I think uh, we figured out somewhere around uh, 14, 15 that uh, he might have a shot, good shot at uh, playing in, uh, uh, in a national level in Finland. And I would say somewhere in the 16, 17 uh, he was not obvious, but we, we could see that, that he has the potential uh, to become a NSO player and a good one. And uh, once uh, he got to a tap point, uh, I, I think the organization uh, was working hard for him and uh, making sure that uh, he's given the opportunities uh, to excel and uh, show uh, what he's uh, made at in, in order uh, to get a uh, good uh, traffic and uh, moving forward in his career. If you could look at him not as his father, but as a coach, what do you see as the greatest strengths of his game? Uh, skating. Skating, for sure. I, I think he has the tools. He has a fairly good hands. He has a okay shot. Um, I, I think yeah, he has that feistiness. Uh, he's, he's playing these days he's playing a solid two-way hockey. That's something as a younger age that he was lacking and he was just offensive-minded and kind of uh, waiting at the, the time that uh, he, he was waking alive when he got the puck in his hands. Other than that, he was kind of waiting his opportunities and uh, now he's playing that uh, good two-way hockey. But the skating is uh, based on everything. Like everything is based on his uh, speed, his skating ability. And uh, uh, there's a few guys saying that uh, what his strength is in the skating, that uh, takeaway speed, but also on the full speed that he can almost stop on the dime, that, that he can make the separation on with the full break and the kind of creating a low opening and making the plays. He's not an especially young player anymore. He's certainly not old either. But is there a, a part of his game that, that you think has the potential to get significantly better uh, as he gains more experience? I, I think it's uh, just kind of within the time uh, to uh, when, once he gets to play in a top six role, uh, he played there in, uh, in uh, Toronto for like a couple of seasons ago uh, when uh, Nilander was on the holdout. The Casper got to play in a top six role uh, with the Matthews. And uh, he he proved himself in the league that, that he's capable of scoring and on a nightly basis of putting up the points. But basically that one was taken away when uh, Willie signed the contract. And uh, so... I, I think you now he's on the worst that uh, once he gets to play a longer period of time in the top six, that, that he's finding the consistency on putting up the points. And that's what? something that you won't learn before you get to do it in a longer period of time. Uh, since he's been reunited with Malkin, that, that pair, that, that, that line has been really good. What do you think, uh, why does he seem to um, uh, mesh so well with Evgeny Malkin? Uh, I'm not... Holy sir, why? It's just, uh, to me, he almost seemed like uh, when he was playing with uh, Crosby that Casper uh, wasn't using his asses of skating that much. Like uh, he was 
more in the force uh, going and being there at the front of the net, and he was a little more stationary, and uh, maybe the time uh, timing wasn't there uh, on that line. And it looks like with the Malkin, uh, he's using his speed a little more. And uh, early part of the season, I thought the Casper was actually playing the best games on on the third line or so when he was just kind of skating and. Uh, uh, straightaway lines, uh, playing it towards the net and uh, in the corners, stop and stars and uh, those kind of uh, things, playing with the instincts. And I, I think uh, with the Crosby, uh, Bobby thinking uh, too much, what is the right way to play with him? So he kind of slowed down and uh, now it just seems like uh, he's playing with the, with the instinct uh, in the line of a mock game. He seems to have a particularly good release on his shot. And I, you, it seemed like you downplayed his goal scoring a bit, but I, I think he's shown a, a pretty nice touch in that regard here. What would you see as, as a ceiling for him in a, in a normal season um, in terms of, of, a, of goal scoring? You know, assuming he would have good line mates, you know, uh, people uh, like, the, like the guys he's playing with now. I, I think with uh, with the kind of a line that he's playing in right now, I would say uh, the 30, 30 plus goals is, is something that uh, should be uh, something uh, is in the reach. At the same time, uh, to going beyond the 30 goals, uh, you need to get the goal in the top unit of a power play. And without that, that spot, is it's tougher to get to a closer uh, to a 40 goals. Uh, uh, as we all know, like uh, so many goals at these days and the points are put up in the power play and now as you are playing in the top unit, it's uh, tough to go beyond that 30 plus goals. Right. Fantastic stuff, Sammy. Thank you so much for joining us. And, Thank you, guys. Uh, and this will be it for today's uh, 66 to 87 podcast. Join us again on Friday for Taylor Haas, Dave Molinari, and Sammy Kaplan, and this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you later.